Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. A layer of dew covers a small Pennsylvania town, but it can't hide the brutal murder of a beautiful wife and mother. When I saw her, that's an image that doesn't go away. It was devastating. We really didn't know what happened. Every day that passed, there was more and more questions. But will condensation lead investigators straight to the killer? There's a lot of do that set the stage. The weather turns this whole case upside down. The weather never lies. Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Summer in the sleepy town of 40,000 is nothing short of idyllic. Talking about kind of eastern, northeastern Pennsylvania, they get big heat waves in the summertime, and then temperatures cool down pretty quickly at night. Not to mention the humidity in the air, dew starts to form, covering everything. At the upscale home of Dr. Glenn and Betty Wolsifer, police are responding to an alarming call about a break-in. One of the first thing the officers noticed, there's a lot of dew on the ground. Although it's late summer, the temperature the night before had dipped down to nearly 40 degrees. When you have such a drastic swing in temperatures, you can get a lot of heavy dew forming in the area because when you cool the atmosphere down so fast, the moisture has to go somewhere. An analogy for forming dew would be on a hot summer day, you have a nice big cold glass of ice water. You sit it outside on your deck, and in a matter of seconds, the glass starts to sweat. That's basically atmospheric moisture being condensed on that glass. In the atmosphere, it's called dew. Police are met by the man who placed the call, Neil Wolsifer neighbor and brother to 33-year-old Glenn. Neil called police and, and he asked them to come over because someone had broken in and there was a robbery that had taken place. As police enter, they suspect it will be similar to a series of home invasion robberies that have been plaguing the area. Drug addicts had been targeting affluent homes in the neighborhood, looking for things that would be easy to steal and also random pharmaceuticals. Dr. Wolsifer and his wife certainly seemed to fit the mold of someone who would have those things in their home. But the crime scene instantly stands out from the other area burglaries. Once Neil guides police into his home, he shows them the first of many surprises. And the first surprise is his half-conscious brother, Glenn. Dr. Wolsifer had indicated that he awakened during the night, heard noises, Apparently, he had a handgun, a 22 handgun, and he went downstairs, and someone hit him on the head. 
Neil tells authorities he's unclear on the details. Just that he received a call from his disoriented brother and immediately called police on Glenn's behalf. To authorities, the crime represents not just another robbery, it represents an attack on one of the most respected families in the community. Elizabeth Betty Tasker and Glenn Wolsifer grew up six blocks apart and began dating as teenagers. Glenn was a high school football standout. Betty was an honor roll student who was also on the drill team, so they were the epitome of high school sweethearts. They continued dating through college and married in 1976. Glenn was a dentist. Betty was heavily involved in local charity events, and they also had a daughter. He was doing very well. He, you know, got into his dental practice, and she did her uh, things that uh, a mom does. It was a good time. But now, as first responders take Glenn to receive medical care, police continue to process the crime scene. It's clear the home has been ransacked. The house is just in disarray. There's drawers that are open, things are scattered about. It definitely looks like whoever came in did what they wanted to do. At first, the crime seems in line with other area robberies. But it's not until they head upstairs that they realize they've responded to something far more sinister. Lying on the floor between the bed and the wall is Betty Wilsifer's lifeless body. She appears to have been beaten, possibly strangled. It's a feeling that's very difficult to describe to when you see a body laying on a floor somewhere. I remember she was not a very large woman. Knowing that the couple had a five-year-old daughter, an officer checks the second bedroom. Inside, he discovers Glenn and Betty's daughter, completely unharmed and sound asleep. Although relieved, it raises a question for police. If that had happened in your house, you had been attacked, wouldn't you think you'd be going upstairs looking for your wife and your daughter? Police figure Glenn's condition has left him too disoriented to process everything normally or care for his daughter. I believe that Neil may have taken his daughter and left the house. Authorities then return to inspect the master bedroom. Police start by attempting to piece together the intruder's motives and movements through the Wolsifer's residence. There was a ladder which was going up to the second floor bedroom window. The window had been broken. Since it appears this is how the intruder gained entry, Police dust the window for prints and find their first big clue. They did find a palm print. They thought that this was probably the intruder. But they'll need to compare it to the home's occupants to be sure. Police are working under the assumption that this was a burglary gone wrong and look for any obvious signs of missing items until they notice something odd. Police can't discern anything of value missing from the home. The only thing they can theorize at this time is that the intruder's altercation with Glenn changed his plans. Hoping the outside might reveal more clues, police do a perimeter search, treading across the moist, dewy grass. Little do they know, it will soon help reveal yet another oddity about this crime scene. 
What's amazing is these conditions weren't some big, huge storm or blizzard or hurricane or anything, but even the smallest, subtlest things regarding weather can reveal very important things. DO creates a unique opportunity for CSI-type investigators. I mean, there are all kinds of things that they can utilize when there's dew covering everything. Forensic investigators on the ground are about to inspect the possible entry point, the ladder leading up to the second floor bedroom window. It was the kind of ladder that you could tell there was a front and a back. Problem with the ladder is it was placed against the wall backwards. But as the investigators take a closer look, they're about to find one more clue that will reveal the truth behind Betty's murder. No one had any idea that the dew was going to play such a huge role in this case. It wasn't what did happen, but what didn't happen. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Do is like nature's recording camera. If someone walks through an area, you'll see footprints. Or if someone hasn't walked through an area, it's going to show what happened or didn't happen. Authorities continue to investigate the attack on Glenn Wolsifer and the murder of his wife, Betty. And everything is coated in dew. That includes the ladder propped backwards against the house. Investigators are trained to kind of look for the out of the ordinary. You have dew covering everything. It just doesn't add up. You have no wet footprints. This dew has not been disturbed. There's no sign that anyone touched the ladder. There's nothing. But it's not the only thing that stands out to investigators. The ground was very wet, soft. The ladder was sitting on top of the ground. Well, it didn't make sense because if any 
person, an adult, got on the ladder, it would have gone down into the ground. It was not in the ground. There is only one conclusion police can come to. There was no indication that anybody had climbed the ladder. When a person climbs that ladder, they're going to push that ladder into the soil, and that wasn't done. The ladder was just sitting there. Police realized the ladder must be a diversion. The question is, why? There's only one person that might be able to shed some light on this, Dr. Glenn Wolsifer. At the hospital, Glenn is being treated for the injuries he sustained during the attack. Doctors say he suffered multiple abrasions and a severe concussion. When his condition is stable, police break the horrifying news that his wife has been murdered. He's incredibly distraught by this news, and police become very concerned about his emotional well-being at that point. Glenn manages to collect himself as he recounts the events in the hours leading up to Betty's death. Glenn tells police that this Friday night was just like any other. He came home from work, had dinner with his family, and went back out to his favorite bar, where he stayed until about 2 AM. The couple reportedly had an understanding that on Friday nights, he would come home for dinner, but the rest of the evening and night were his time. He tells police that by 2.30, he was curled up next to his wife in bed. Glenn claims it was around 6 AM that he knew someone had broken into the house. He says he grabbed his gun from his bedside table, left his wife sleeping soundly in bed, and followed the intruder deeper into the house. says he remembers being grabbed from behind on his neck with either a belt or a rope. And after that, he was hit over the head and knocked unconscious. Glenn tells police he had no idea how much time had passed before he regained consciousness to call his brother, Neil. Police ask Glenn if he can think of anyone who would want to harm him or his wife. But Glenn says he thinks his family was just another target in the string of random burglaries that have plagued the area and pleads with police. You guys got to crack down on this and find out who killed my wife. You guys got to take care of it. Well, he's a dentist. People might think he has drugs in his house, and maybe that's the reason for this crime. But if that's the case, then why kill Betty? Police are still left with more questions than answers and Betty's family is devastated. My uncle, he had told me what had happened, that Betty was murdered. We were just, of course, totally in shock. You just wonder why. As the days pass, police recruit forensic specialists to pour over the evidence, hoping to find a solid lead. When the autopsy report arrives, they learn Betty did in fact die of strangulation, but not before putting up a fight with her killer. She has blood and even hair evidence under her fingernails, fibers from the shirt. That would be consistent with somebody using their fingernails to scratch it, a defensive move. Today, of course, DNA is like the number one thing, but back in 1986, that wasn't possible at all. They did their best with the tools that they had at that time. But her time of death is strange. 
It doesn't match what Glenn told police. The autopsy shows that Betty was likely killed between 2.30 and 4.30 a.m. Glenn said he heard an intruder around 6 a.m., more than an hour and a half later than the time of death. But there may be a simple explanation. The doctor kept a fan on in the bedroom. That helped him sleep at night. Temperature and time of death are related. The fan running will cool things down a little bit and make it more difficult for one to determine the time of death. But still, something else sticks out. Missing from both her body and her clothing is any trace of blood. So it appears that whoever her attacker was not only washed her body, but they even changed her night clothes. This points to an attack that's more personal. A typical burglar wouldn't go to such lengths to cover up their crime. Police are starting to put two and two together that perhaps Glenn knows more about this murder than he's leading on. But it's difficult for them to imagine that Dr. Glenn Wilsifer could be capable of killing his own wife, especially with no history of violence and no discernible motive. And when the palm print found on the windowsill comes back, it backs up Glenn's account. The palm print was not consistent with the people who should be in that room. It was not the dentist's palm print. It was not his wife's palm print. It was not his child's palm print. Unfortunately, the prints don't match any criminals in their database either. So investigators still have much more work ahead of them. The answer just may be hidden in those tiny drops of dew. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Dude, it's very unique. It's almost like having freshly fallen snow. If you look at what dew is, it's just heavy condensation on the ground, right? On grass. And it can be a telltale sign. Just like we look for, you know, the classic footprints in the mud. Boy, dew is the exact same thing. After Betty Wolsifer was found beaten and strangled in her bedroom, and her husband, Glenn, assaulted. Police still don't have any solid leads, and her family is frustrated. Nothing seemed to be really moving. It was just a difficult situation. After healing from multiple abrasions and a concussion, Glenn is finally released from the hospital. He continues to live in the house with his young daughter while he returns to his dental practice. Meanwhile, Investigators are reviewing photos and videos of the crime scene and methodically going through what they do know. Glenn claims a masked man broke in, possibly looking for drugs and valuables. And police did find a mystery palm print on the window where it appears the intruder entered. But the rest of the evidence doesn't match up. There was no indication that anything was taken from the house. There was even a full jewelry box that would have been easy to steal but it wasn't. They noticed that the ladder propped against the house was actually propped backwards. Everything outside was covered in dew, 
Yet there were no Dewey footprints on the ladder or any evidence that someone even used the ladder. The dew forming on the grass, that's enough to put a little bit of indentation in the ground from the weight of someone climbing up a ladder. And that wasn't even there. And further review of the crime scene video reveals another inconsistency. The dentist claimed that someone had broken into a window where that ladder was placed up against the house. But the evidence showed that that window was broken from the inside. To police, the crime scene looked staged. And to add more credence to their theory, despite a brutal struggle, Betty Wolsifer's strangled body and clothes are discovered free of blood. And then there's the action that started it all. Instead of calling police, Glenn chose to first call his brother, Neil. We thought that was very suspicious that Glenn would have called his brother before he called the police or an ambulance, especially since his wife was upstairs and, of course, that his daughter was there. So investigators take an even closer look at the crime scene photos and notice something interesting. The dew that should be everywhere isn't. On the night of the murder, both Betty and Glenn's cars were parked in the couple's driveway. Betty's car is covered in a clear, visible layer of dew. But on Glenn's car, there's none. He was supposed to have been home at this point, what, five hours or so? That's plenty of time for his car to cool down and have that air condense out the water vapor and form some type of dew on it. But the investigators didn't see any. Police decide to bring in a forensic meteorologist with the FBI to help. His job is to determine if it's possible or not for Glenn's timeline to match up with the lack of dew on his car. So when you look at all the data, it shows that at 11 p.m., that's when the air temperature would have cooled down to the dew point temperature. That means that's when the dew was starting to form. And it would have formed pretty quickly, which means even if Glenn had returned home at 2.30 a.m., his car would have had the same amount of dew as his wife's. One key thing here is the cars. Now, as an investigator, I think, okay, one doesn't look like the other. What does that mean? Maybe it's something you really need to take note of. The heat of the engine heats up the metal surrounding the car. You're not going to have dew form until that metal cools down below the dew point. Police still believe there's more to the night of the attack that Glenn isn't sharing. As the evidence unfolds, investigators believe the key to the entire case is Glenn's brother, Neil. Neil was obviously at the scene, and he was questioned. Attempts were made to talk to him several times. Police repeatedly asked Neil to take a polygraph test, but he adamantly refused to do so. He just appeared to be nervous, reluctant to say certain things. But the question is, what did he really know? Police feel they are about to get him to talk when another tragic death sends their investigation reeling. Will the field of forensic meteorology have one more trick up its sleeve? As the hot August Pennsylvania days give way to a crisp fall, there's still been no arrest after Betty Wolsifer was found viciously strangled to death in her upstairs bedroom. 
Glenn Wilsifer is adamant that a random intruder looking for drugs and money is responsible, but there's no sign of anything missing from the house. No one wants to question a respected member of the community like Glenn Wilsifer, but there was something wrong. There was something about that night that he was keeping secret. A mysterious palm print seems to be the only thing that backs up Glenn's claim that an intruder broke in and murdered his wife. Everything else is telling police the crime scene was staged and there was likely no intruder. Raising further questions about Glenn's account is that the unique summer weather has spotlighted several pieces of key evidence that discredit him. Pretty unique weather pattern going on that time of the year for that, that day and that evening as well. Drop that temperature, you're quickly gonna have dew form on a lot of things after just a couple of hours of darkness. The investigators kept coming back to the dew. The dew was on the ladder. There was just undisturbed dew on it, but obviously hadn't been used. It was just sitting there. Also, one would expect that if Glenn's car had been parked there since, say, 2 or 2.30 in the morning, then both cars would have very similar amounts of dew on them. And Glenn's car didn't have any dew on it. So that was very telling. Although compelling, the evidence so far is circumstantial. Police need something more tangible and focus on getting answers from Glenn's brother, Neil. Neil basically backed up the story of my brother called me, told me that somebody had broken into the house and hit him and knocked him out. But our feeling is he knew more. The impression that all of us had was here is a brother who's obviously in a position that he doesn't want to be in. The problem is that Neil had no interest in talking to police any further about what happened, but that didn't stop the police from working on him. Finally, Neil agrees to come in for additional questioning. Ultimately, it came down to explaining to Neil that the only way he was gonna clear his brother's name was to come down and tell investigators more. He had called our office indicating he wanted to come in and talk to us, tell us something. And so we were waiting for him. But the interview never happens. A phone call came in that he had been in an accident. Neil was driving, and he just veered in front of a cement truck. And he was killed. And the incident is not the result of bad weather conditions. His brother runs into a truck, and the coroner ruled it as a suicide. The tragedy leaves police wondering more than ever. Did Neil want to hide all the facts from the night of the murder from police? Looking at the relationship between the two brothers, it was obvious that Neil would do anything that Glenn asked him to. And when the pressure from police increased, Neil may have decided to commit suicide rather than betray his brother's trust. He must have really been distressed over the situation he was in. It was an enormous blow because we really thought that he was the person who could tie this together for us. At that point in time, our case was stuck. Now, without Neil, police are left with a crime scene full of inconsistencies and no suspects, except for Glenn himself. This whole situation is really, really suspicious. The whole crime scene looked like it was staged. But police still don't have a motive. 
so they decide to dig deeper into the Wolsifer's marriage. That's when they come across some rumors that it may not have been as rosy as everyone thought. I always knew it to be pretty, pretty good, but you find out more things after everything hits the fan. Police discover that in 1985, a year before Betty's murder, Glenn had suffered a nervous breakdown. He apparently had a crisis of conscience where he was struggling with the notion that he was not the wholesome family man that, that everyone thought he was. Remember back to those Friday nights when Glenn would go out to the bar? He wasn't just drinking. Glenn admitted to Betty that he had been having an affair with his dental assistant for the last five years. Betty was devastated, but willing to forgive her husband in order to hold on to the marriage. So it was one of these, will you stop having an affair with this woman? And Glenn obviously said that he would. He told Betty that he had cut things off, but in reality, he continued to see the woman. And police learn she wasn't the only infidelity in Glenn's life. He has another girlfriend on the other side of town. Glenn was having an affair with a local aerobics instructor. Clearly, having relationships with other women provides motive, and it makes you look at the case a little differently. It also significantly complicates the scenarios officials must investigate. Did Glenn kill his wife after she confronted him about his cheating? Or maybe the secret that Glenn and Neil were trying to hide was that one of the women that Glenn was cheating with had killed Betty, and they were helping her cover it up. Police decide it's time to visit the other women in Glenn's life. Investigators question Glenn's dental assistant first, and she freely admits to the multi-year affair. She even claims that just weeks before Betty's murder, Glenn was making plans to leave his wife to be with her, and that the couple even had a tryst at a local motel on the day of the murder. She's adamant that she has nothing to do with Betty's murder. Her alibi is not that strong, though. She was at home and went to bed early, but she does seem pretty sincere. Of course, people can be pretty good liars, so she's not off the suspect list just yet. Next, police speak with the aerobics instructor. She, too, admits to having a long-term affair with the handsome dentist, and also meeting up with him the night of Betty's murder. Glenn saw both women in the same day, his dental assistant at work, and then he spent time with the aerobics instructor all before returning home to his wife around 2 AM. She, too, is adamant that she had nothing to do with Betty's murder. She also has an alibi, her own husband, whom she went home to after meeting Glenn. But this poses another question to police. Could her husband have found out about her affair with Glenn and had something to do with this? It's possible that Glenn is telling the truth and that there's an explanation for all these oddities at the crime scene that police just haven't put together yet. It's also possible that there's been a cover-up. The only thing that is clear in this case is that it's anything but straightforward. In the end, it would take three years, a new DA, a special task force, and even more FBI forensic scientists to bring Betty's killer to justice. Something as, you know, minuscule as do was the thing that they really needed to say, this really doesn't add up. Something as 
invisible as water vapor was the smoking gun. A lot of things can change in an investigation, but the weather never lies. The night of the crime, there was a clear, cold, calm night. That's a perfect scenario for the formation of dew. But are those dewy conditions enough to catch a killer? As police remain steadfast in their search for Betty Wolsifer's killer, her husband Glenn continues to blame his wife's death on an early morning intruder, possibly in search of money and drugs. But the weather tells a different story. In terms of the Betty Wolsifer murder, it kept coming back to the dew, and that's what solved the crime, because the investigators kept coming back to it, looking at it, and they couldn't ignore it. The only other person at the scene of the crime was Glenn's brother, Neil, who seemingly committed suicide on his way to talk with police. I've never seen an investigation where your prime witness appears to kill himself right before he's supposed to be interviewed by the police. I don't think he could live with himself. Glenn's extramarital affairs have also raised the interest of investigators. The night of the murder, Glenn had seen both of his mistresses in the same day. It's clear that Glenn is a bad husband, but that doesn't mean he's a killer. With each passing month, the chance of an arrest seems less and less likely. By the end of 1986, the case goes cold. We just didn't have enough evidence. There were no witnesses. There was no confession. Everything, anything else was very circumstantial. Fortunately, justice, like the weather, keeps going. Murder is a crime that doesn't have a statute of limitations. No matter how far down the road you go, you can always bring the charges. The case remains inactive for two years until 1988, when a new district attorney is elected. New DAs have constituents they have to impress, and a homicide conviction will do that. Since Wilkes-Barre is not a high murder rate kind of town, there was a lot of pressure to clear the books of any unsolved crimes. And with the Wolsifer's prominence in the community, the DA makes Betty's case a top priority. But Glenn Wolsifer and his daughter no longer live in the area. After recently moving more than 200 miles away to Falls Church, Virginia, and they haven't moved alone, the aerobics instructor Glenn was having an affair with decided to get a divorce and stay with Glenn. The two settled down, he continued practicing dentistry, and he was living his life. By all appearances and all accounts, Glenn's life had gone on completely undisturbed. But the move only serves to keep Glenn Wolsifer on the top of the suspects list. They assembled a task force who reinvestigated this crime. They used the attorney general's office, and they brought some experts in to help the local police and the Pennsylvania State Police with this investigation. 
So Glenn moved in with one of his mistresses, the aerobics instructor. That might lead some people to believe that she was involved in Betty's murder, but the task force comes to a different conclusion. Because Betty was beaten and strangled, police think it's unlikely either mistress was capable of the murder. Just the nature of how this woman was killed, you would not expect it to have been done by another woman. They also look into the aerobics instructor's husband at the time of the murder but they find no evidence that he was involved at all. Ultimately, the focus of the investigation is the evidence revealed by the thick morning dew. The investigators kept coming back to the weather element of the case. The fact that outside it was really undisturbed, no footprints, no anything of any intruders coming in. The ladder obviously wasn't used. In terms of dew forming on a car, if the car had been driving, first of all, the engine's hot, car warms up, you have wind flowing against the car, all those things will not allow dew to form on the car. That's what explains why there wasn't dew on the car. The only conclusion the task force can come to is that Glenn is lying. And they're about to get the evidence to prove it. Further review of Betty's autopsy concentrates on the hair and fibers found under her nails. With advances in technology and more resources, the task force is able to conduct DNA testing, and they get a hit. Analysts conclude that the hair found under Betty's fingernails belongs to Glenn Wilsifer, and that it's been forcibly removed. In re-interviewing friends of Glenn, investigators learn that the blue fibers found under Betty's fingernails are consistent with the shirt that Glenn was wearing earlier the night of the murder. These revelations point to a violent struggle between Glenn and his wife, Betty. But what about the palm print that seemed to corroborate at least part of Glenn's intruder story? It took a while, but they finally found out it was someone from the medical examiner's office who actually put that palm print there. So the suspicion that a person broke into the house really completely went away. In November 1989, Three years and three months after allegedly strangling his wife, Betty, to death, Dr. Glenn Wolsifer is arrested and charged with third-degree murder. You have someone that you always thought the world of. It's like it's a no-win situation. It's just total loss. But prosecutors will soon be reminded that arresting the dentist and convicting him are two different things. No one wants to believe that such a respected member of the community could commit such a crime. Will a jury of his peers be able to convict him? Or will a killer go free? It only takes one person to say, I'm voting not guilty. taken more than four years, but the trial against Dr. Glenn Wolsifer for murdering his 32-year-old wife, Betty, is set to begin. And it's mainly as a result of the evidence collected from the weather. It was the fact that it was this atmospheric phenomenon due. That was what really clinched it and solved the crime for the investigators, was how due played a role in the case. You know, this is typical of 
when people are educated and they think they're smarter than the police, I'll be able to do this. I'll break this window. I'll uh, position the body here. I'll be able to beat them at this crime. Despite the overwhelming evidence against him, Glenn pleads not guilty. The defense sticks by Glenn's original account that there was an intruder that night who broke into the home, attacked him, and murdered his wife. The prosecution argues a different theory. Prosecutors at the trial speculate that Glenn Wilsifer had long ago wanted to leave his wife and didn't do it. He was living a playboy lifestyle. He had at least two mistresses at the time of Betty's death, and he wanted out of the marriage. The prosecution then lays out the timeline of events as they believe them to have occurred. On Friday, August 30th, 1986, Glenn spent time with both of his mistresses. Like most typical Fridays, he returned home to his wife at roughly 2 a.m. But this night was different. Prosecutors say that Betty waited up for Glenn until he got home. The speculation is that she finally confronted him that night. She was well aware he was seeing other women and she basically had had it. She confronted him, and then it became physical, and he just lost it. Betty fought for her life, digging her nails into him as Glenn strangled her to death. Afterward, realizing what he had done, Glenn tried to save himself by manipulating the crime scene. He washed his wife's body and changed her clothes to get rid of any DNA evidence. Then he broke a window from inside the second floor bedroom and quickly placed a ladder to the roof, not realizing it was backwards. He also didn't take the weather into consideration and the fact that no dewy footprints would be found on the ladder proving that no one climbed it. And when you do have dew forming overnight, it makes the soil very moist. So not only would it show footprints, the ladder or anything would sink into it because it's very squishy of being moist. But he never thought about the dew because it's one of these elements that we constantly deal with but don't really think about. Glenn then drove to dump his wife's original clothing and didn't return home for several hours. The car had been in motion and was warm, so no dew could form on it. Prosecutors speculate that Glenn then recruited the help of his brother, Neil, to help set the fake crime scene and to inflict injury upon Glenn to make it look like an intruder had broken in and attacked him and his wife. You would have to wonder, this had to get on Dennis' conscience the fact that his brother Neil is now dead because he couldn't tell the police. After a two-week trial, jurors take less than six hours to find Glenn Wolsifer guilty. There was satisfaction that justice prevailed and my sister got some kind of due process. The bruise is still there. It never will go away, the scar. Glenn is sentenced to 22 years in prison. 
The sadness here is that people believed in him as a good man. This is a guy who's living a life that on the outside is one, on the inside is another. And he was a dangerous man. In the murder case of Betty Wolsifer, weather played an integral part in preventing a killer from going free. Time and time again, weather turns out to be such an invaluable resource in solving crimes. It was all pieced together because of dew. Those tiny drops of water made all the difference in bringing her killer husband to justice. It's one of these elements that we constantly deal with, but we really have no control over. You know, we can make all types of money, live in all types of nice homes, but, you know, when it comes to weather, Mother Nature is undefeated, untied, and unbeaten.